Chapter Sixteen of Ned Franks, or the Christian's Panoply. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Another triumph. How different is the importance given on earth and in heaven to the same events. The famous speech, the brilliant entertainment, the political crisis which fill columns of the times and are the talk of eager thousands from one end of Britain to another may seem as much beneath the notice of angels as bubbles floating on a stream, while the bright inhabitants of heaven may hover over some humble mansion to watch the struggle between right and wrong in one as lowly as the little servant-maid Nora. No passer-by would have given a second thought to the girl on her knees, cleaning Mrs. Martin's doorstep in the early morning, yet that poor simple servant had fought a battle and won a victory, on which angels might look with interest, for the result of such triumphs will last when earth itself shall have passed away. As Nora went on with her humble occupation, lifting up her heart as she did so in a silent hymn of thanksgiving, her attention was attracted by a small object that lay on the road close to the pavement. Nora rose, and, going to the spot, picked up a small canvas bag, which had probably been dropped there since the previous evening. Nora loosened the string, and opened the bag to see what might be in it, but she almost dropped it again in her surprise at sight of its glittering contents. "'Sovereigns! all bright new golden sovereigns!' exclaimed the astonished Nora. She hastened into the house, shut the door, dropped on her knees, and emptied the bag into her lap, that she might count over the treasure without fear of being either disturbed or noticed. Two, four, six, eight! I had never so much money before in my life. Oh!' cried Nora, clapping her hands. I shall now be able to buy both the black silk dress and the mangle, and something for Sophie besides, to make her forget last night, for I could not bear that there should be any bitter feeling between us. It was not unnatural that such should be the first thoughts that should rise to the mind of Bessie Peel's daughter. It must be remembered that Nora had not been brought up with strict ideas of honesty, that it was but lately that she had put on the breastplate of righteousness or even desired to have that holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. But the young Christian had only swerved from her course for a minute. Conscience was still at the helm. "'What am I thinking of?' cried Nora, still on her knees, with the bright coin lying on her lap. "'This money is not my own. I cannot honestly spend it. If I have found it, someone else must have lost it. I must give it back to its owner.' An expression of disappointment came over the young girl's face, but it was almost instantly chased away by a look like sunshine. Oh, here is another opportunity given me of showing my love to my Lord, of proving that my faith is real, that I am not hanging out false colors. Is it not an honor and a joy to do or to give up anything to please my heavenly master? Nora caught up the coins and hastily thrust them all back into the bag, counting them as she did so. She would not trust herself to look again at the glittering gold. She would not trust herself even to think what Mrs. Peel or Sophie would say 
if they knew that she now held so large a sum in her hands. Nora felt impatient for the time when Mrs. Martin would come down from her room, that she might give over the tempting bag into the charge of the lady, and ask her what would be the best way of finding out its owner. Nora could think of nothing else as she filled the kettle, spread the table, and made the toast for breakfast. She felt as if in possession of a very great secret, which she longed to disclose to her mistress. "'You must have received some good news, Nora,' was Mrs. Martin's remark, as she first met the beaming glance of her little servant. "'Oh, ma'am, only see what I've found this morning on the road, not ten yards from the door, eight new sovereigns all in this bag.' and Nora, with some excitement, placed the bag in the hand of her mistress. "'And what will you do with this?' asked the old lady. "'Oh, ma'am, you know it's not mine. I thought you would kindly help me to find out who has lost it.' "'Nora, you're the most honest girl that I ever met with,' burst involuntarily from the lips of her mistress. Mrs. Martin had unintentionally touched a painful chord. Nora's awakened conscience started back from unmerited praise. "'Oh, no, ma'am, don't say that,' cried the girl, surprised into a sudden confession. "'I've not been faithful to you as I should. I've taken little things. I've had a guest at my meals, but I mean never to do so more. I hope that you will forgive me.' "'Nora, I thank God for you,' said the old lady, tears rising into her eyes as she spoke. How warm went her words to the heart of Nora! No praise could have been so sweet.' Nora had unwittingly removed a weight from the mind of her gentle mistress. Mrs. Martin had had painful suspicions, which she had vainly tried to put away, as to the strict honesty of her young maid. She had often asked herself whether it might not be her duty to speak seriously to Nora on the subject, but had put off doing so from day to day, partly because the duty was painful to her tender, sensitive spirit, partly because she tried to persuade herself that her dim sight and failing memory might have led her into error, and she would not distress her maid till she had clearer proof of her guilt. Nora's honesty about the money had, for the moment, entirely swept away all her lady suspicions, and caused her to utter what a little consideration might have made her retreat, but Nora's frank confession entirely relieved Mrs. Martin's mind. That confession showed regret for the past which was in itself an earnest of a future life of fidelity and truth. The lady felt that henceforth Nora would be more to her than a servant, one who would be her comfort, one whom she could trust, whom she could love. Nothing more, however, was said by either mistress or maid on the subject. After a brief silence, Mrs. Martin recurred to that of the money. Nora, you know that I expect my brother, Mr. Lowndes, to breakfast here today, she observed. We will give the bag over to him. He is a magistrate, as you are aware, and will be the best person to advise us how to find out the real owner. As the lady spoke, the well-known sound of her brother's double rap at the knocker announced his arrival. Nora, light of foot and light of heart, ran to the door to answer the summons, and Mr. Lowndes, a tall, portly man, soon made his appearance into the room. End of chapter 16